Just remind you a little bit of what we saw last week. Do you remember that we saw that in Shmuel, in our source, in Perek Zayim, we saw that Hashem tells David that he's not going to build the Betamikdash. Alternatively, Hashem promises David that he's going to have his melucha, his kingdom forever. But he didn't say why. He didn't say what is the reason. We saw that he's told where? In Divrei Amin. And we saw some Mefarshim, thank you. We saw some Mefarshim that say why, uh, why David Amelech uh, he say, why in mean we see that Hashem told David because your hands were filled with blood. So we saw from Radak two possibilities. Either David Amelech made that assumption that probably Hashem is not allowing me to build the Beta Mikdash because so much blood was spilled through me. Or perhaps it was a different prophecy from Natana Navi in a different uh, source that wasn't told to us there. Now, what blood are we speaking about? You remember? It could be. Okay, it could be either from all the goyim and all the wars and all the perhaps exaggerated shfichud uh, damim that David always, um, I don't know, engaged in in his words. Wars, we know that he would go and kill everyone whenever he was uh, making the Plishtim thing that he was friends with them. He would go and kill the Amalekim and all those other nations that were enemies of Israel. And so uh, Melech God, the Plishtim, don't find out, he would kill everyone. So no one is going to say a word. Oh, David was actually fighting for the Israelim. So it could be that. Or it could be Damim, the blood of innocent people. And there were two options, or two, possibi- or two actually instances where innocent people were killed. One was Uriah Hiti, Bathsheba's husband, and the other one was the Kohanim of Nov. How did David uh, kill them? No. But David had responsibility because he, he, he endangered their lives whenever he hid there in Nov Irakonim. Until here, everything is clear, right? So I just want us to see very fast uh, in Tehillim. Look Tehillim. Uh, what is Tehillim? Tehillim. I'm hoping in Sepharia whether wants, wants the, the English. Kuf Lamed Bet, which is 132. This, uh, this, uh, this speaks about uh, David Amelech and about the two promises, the promise of David towards Hashem and the promise of Hashem towards David. So it says here, Shira Malot. Zechor Hashem David et kol unoto, a song of ascents, all Lord remembering David's favor, his extreme self-denial, his humbleness. How he swore to the Lord, vowed to the mighty one of Yaakov. What was that David swore to Hashem? I will not enter my house, nor will I mount my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. 
עד אמצא מקום לאדוני משכנות לאביד יעקב, until I find a place for my Lord, and a vote for my mighty one of Yaakov. So what was the promise of David al-Melech? We saw that in Shmuel, how can I, how can I be here quietly and in peace when the Beit HaMikdash is still not, not built? So we see in the, in the sun, in this sun, I am, it continues, uh, we heard it was in Ephrat, we came upon it in the region of Jarnav, whenever we have the, the Beit HaMikdash, let us enter his abode, bow at his footstool, etc., 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 what the Kohanim will do. And now, look on Pasuk 11. What is that Hashem swears to David? A firm oath that he will not renounce. One of your own issue I will set upon your throne. Pribitnecha is not your own issue. One of your descendants will be in the throne. And now look at Pasuk 12 and tell me what is different from what we saw till now. If your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I teach them, then their sons also to the end of time shall sit upon your throne. What is Hashem telling David here in regards to David's children sitting in the throne? Exactly. So we find that in our source in Shmuel, Hashem told David, you are not going to be the Beit HaMikdash, but your descendants will sit in the throne forever. If they don't behave, I will punish them, but I will never abandon them. They will stay there forever. Here, we find that there is a condition. Yes, they will stay in the throne, but only if they keep my commandment. Now, I wish you had a Tanakh, because there is other sources. I will just tell you, you can, you can check at home. In Melachim Aleph, Perek Bet, when David Melech is passing all his, um, how do you say, to, Moreshe to, to Shlomo, his, uh, no, his inheritance. He's not inheritance. All the, the, what he had asked him to do. You have to do this, kill this one, don't let this one. I don't know if you remember whoever has studied that. So David Gamo married Shlomo, he also tells Shlomo that his behavior in the ways of Hashem is conditional for him to preserve the Melucha. So it's not just you are going to have the kingdom for, forever. It's only if you follow Derech Hashem. Also Shmuel himself, eh, sorry, Shlomo himself, whenever in Hanukkah Bet HaMikdash, after he builds it, when he gives this speech to all of Israel, Melachim Aleph Tet, Hashem tells also Shlomo, and then Shlomo tells to the people, it also has to do with the behavior. You're going to maintain Zera Melucha, the Melucha for Am Israel, but it's conditional to the behavior of Am Israel. Go to another psalm, Psalm Peitet 89. This is a very uh, 
strong, strong uh, statement in this psalm. It starts saying, I will sing of the Lord, a lot of praise into Akadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, look here, Pasuk 5. I will establish your offspring forever. I will confirm your throne for all generations. This is what Hashem is telling David Amelech. And um, there is a lot of praising, but I'm going to skip all of that. Look what happens on Pasuk. At the end of the Perik. Look Pasuk 33. 32. He continues. Uh, even 31. If his sons forsake my teachings, and do not live by my rules. If they violate my laws and do not observe my commands. I will punish their transgression with the rod, their iniquity with plagues. But I will not take away my steadfast love for him. I will not betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or change what I have uttered, I have sworn by my holiness one and for all, I will not be false to David. His line shall continue forever, his throne as the sun before me. What is this similar to what we read in Shmuel? Even if they don't behave and I have to punish them, I still will maintain the throne of David forever. But look what happens in Pasuk 39. Yet you have rejected spoon and became enraged at your anointed. You have repudiated the covenant with your servant. You have dragged his dignity in the dust. You have breached all his defenses. All who passed by, by plunder him. He has become the bad of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries and made all his enemies rejoice. So David, he, uh, David, no, the, the measurement of this means more is actually saying, Hashem, but this is not what you've done. He's saying it in, in times where Meluchat David is not there anymore. Look, Pasuk 46, you have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered, covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you forever hide your face? Will your fury blaze like fire? How does it finish? How does it finish, Ms. Moore? Baruch Hashem It's all questions. Lama, remember the abuse of your servants that I have borne. So, no, it's not only the Melech. It says here, Etama Ezrahi. Etama Ezrahi was one of the, I was, I actually checked in Wikipedia, it was Saddam Azrahi, was one of the uh, people that worked for David, but this is speaking in a prophecy level. 
But what we see, and even think about our history, did we really never lose Meluchat David? Do we have a king of David today? So how do we explain this? How do we explain this? So it is conditional or not? So there is a combination. And the, the parallelism can be understood if we think about the promise of Agadosh Baruch Hu to Abraham in regards to Eretz Israel. Hashem is telling us that the land is going to be ours forever. And it's actually the connection between Eretz Israel and Am Israel is eternal. Eretz Israel is not going to, to give a good response to any other people that come to, to the land. It's eternal, but it can happen that there is a temporary disconnect. But the promise is there. We're going to come back, whatever it takes. So the same way that our connection to Eretz Israel is eternal, but can be interrupt, that's what happens with David, with the Melucha for David Abedok, with David Amelech. Okay, just for us, I, I think that is in general interesting to see what we read as, as the history, as what happened, reflected on what is told to us in the Mizmorim of Teilim. We're going to see one more Mizmor later after we finish the chapter and the, how David relates to Hashem in regards to his work. Okay, today we're going to see Chapter 8, and the uh, 3.15? Oh, <laughs> I better look for it. Okay. As we said, the last thing we saw was uh, that Hashem promises David that his melucha will stay forever. And now, how does our chapter begin? What is the... You can even read a little bit by yourselves and tell me what is the, what is the subject of our chapter. He's going after the enemies. What? He's going after the surrounding enemies. the ones that are constantly there. So what is it? What is the chapter about? Is David's wars and victories? in ways that he is really establishing his kingdom. I read an opinion that says that this is not after chapter Zion, but after chapter Hay. Chapter Hay started speaking about which wars with the the fifth chapter The Plishtim. Plishtim. No, so it's going to end. It's going to end. So you see here, for example, on Pasuk Kafbet, page 232, the Plishtim came up once again and spread out in the Refaim Valley. So David inquired of Hashem and he said, do not go directly, but circle around to the rear and approach them from opposite. And then David is victorious over the Plishtim. It's kind of the end of the Plishtim, okay? So there was like, a, like an afsaka, like a you say, recess or a parenthesis in the counting to us of the wars because what 
are we told after this that David is kind of sitting calmly, quietly, and then he feels the need first to bring the Aaron, right? First to bring the Aaron, and then he wants to build the Beit HaMikdash. But now we continue the description of these wars because it wasn't the end of it. The, the quiet wasn't still restored, there were enemies, and David is fighting. I, I read from Rabbi Balzac that is to give us the feeling of what is the center of David's life, of David's uh, ruling, is not the wars, but the spirituality, bringing their own, the desire to build the Beit HaMikdash. This is what really ruled the, the life of David. So let's see inside. So David, uh, after that, uh, defeats the Plishtim and he takes Meteg Ha'ama from the hands of Plishtim. Different interpretations about what is that David is taking is, a, of course, a geographical point. I read a Midrash that says that it refers to the pact that at his moment, uh, I think it was Yitzhak did with the Plishtim that we were never going to fight him. Sorry. Okay. And uh, you can look inside. What is Metegama? Is either a place where the waters passed or something related to the promise that we were not going to fight the Philistine, but it doesn't really matter to us. Vayach et Moab, Vaymadedem Bachevel, Hashkevotam Arza, Vaymadet Shnechavalim Lamit Umloachevel Yachayot, Vatehim Moab le David la Abadim nos Emincha. This is a very tough description. If Debbie would be here, we wouldn't be able to continue our class. What is, who can explain what just happened here? How did David fought Moab? So first, of course, he defeats them. Now they're all his prisoners. What does he do? He takes them basically and measures ropes, like one rope is if they're going to live, and two ropes is their Which means how many of them is he killing? Two-thirds. Two-thirds. He's killing two-thirds of them in kind of a cruel way. And then, you know, boom. Boom, bow, do, 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 ow, ow, ow. Like, what is this? Okay, so it was the way for him to kill them, like measuring them. Whatever is, the way he does it is killing from every three, two. He's killing two thirds of the, of the Moabites. Now, what Moab represented to David? Who was Moab? His ancestors. His ancestors. Moab is from where his great grandmother is coming. Ruth, Imash al Malchud, we're going to speak about her, how our Chachamim were so, uh, you know, emphasized so much who she was because she's going to be the great grandmother of David to see his food, that she was all chesed, etc., etc. What else do we remember about Moab? Okay, in regards to David. Right, they were cruel with us, they didn't offer us bread. In regards to what we studied, about David, when David was being persecuted by Shaul and he was escaping, he went to Moab and who did he live there? His parents. His parents. He left his parents there. So he found refuge for his parents in Moab 
And what is going on in here? Because of this, our hachamim come to the conclusion, this is like a midrash, it's not written in the pshat, there is other perushim, and I'm sure, I, I, I'm, you still didn't say it, you saw it? Okay, Gabi. No, I didn't, I didn't Okay, so hachamim say that after he left his parents in Moab, Moab killed his parents. And this is a personal retaliation of David Amelech. Because the Tanakh is not telling us, like it's telling us that he put them there, but we don't hear that he went to bring them back. But that's what Chazal say. There is other ways of interpreting it that it has to do more with national wars. It's, it's not something personal. It has to do more with the war that uh, our enemies, Amon Moab, were really our enemies. We see that, I don't want to go through all the sorts, but we see that already when Deborah, the judge, sings about the enemies that they defeated, we will see there that Amon Moab are mentioned there. They were like, they were like declared enemies of Israel that wanted our destruction. So two opinions, if it was a personal retaliation or if it was because they were really enemies of Israel. When I was reading this, and I have to say this, this week and last week and the last month, it has been so difficult to read the news from Israel. It has been so difficult to see in what ridiculous place we are. Last night, or two nights ago, two nights ago, there is this uh, lawyer, Ben Gvid. He went to, to the hospital, I don't even remember where it was, where they are treating, they're treating, they're giving medical care to the terrorists that kill our amazing, beautiful soldier that 46 years old that left six orphans and a wife. But the, to the terrorists, we are giving the medical treatment. To the, and, and we are burying our old soldier. So when you see this cruelty, sometimes you realize that evil and, and, and good needs to be clear. And, and, and we don't need to be so yefenefer, so careful. Well, everything is recorded here. But no, but when you see the alternative, when we enter into how are we so, so cruel, why do we do this? And this Ben Gvir, this boy was saying, I'm, I'm a terrorist that wants to kill Jews, deserves that sentence. And, and that has to be like that. And then there is no complications. What do we do? He's uh, wounded. What do we, how do we take care of? Not to take care. Another thing that happened yesterday that I got the video and I got, there was a manifestation, a rally of Palestinians of, uh, in Tel Aviv, Universita Tel Aviv. You see the group of Palestinians with their uh, flags, and you see a group of Jews that come with the Israeli flags to try, you know, to counter, how you say? Counter-protest. Counter-protest against them. In Eretz Israel, what does the police do? Takes away our Yehudim and our Israeli flags because they are provoking. This is where we are standing. Everything is democracy and 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 and, and shiviona dibur. Let everyone express themselves and be uh, compassionate and don't use too much violence. But everything, whenever you become to merachem, merachem alachzarim, kolam merachem alachzarim, so fole itachzer al rachmanim. 
if you have compassion over the cruel people, you end up being cruel towards the compassionate people. And that is brought, and we can all relate to it, whenever Chachamim say, Shaul, you were Merachem al you had compassion on Melech Amalek, on Agak. At the end, Sofoli Tachzer al Rahmanim, you were cruel towards the Kohanim, the Kohanim of Nov, he killed all of them. So what is compassion, what is... Anyways, I have to say this because we could say, wow, that's so cruel, but if they are the enemies, they are the enemies. And this is how David Melech reacts. Okay. After this, no, sorry, sorry, I'm going backwards. Where am we? Uh, David he also hits this uh, king from the king of Tzova as he was on the way to extend because this king was going to, to extend his control over the Euphrates River. He wanted to expand in our territories. So David why is the Torah telling this? So David takes from him, captures from him, 1,700 horsemen and 20,000 foot soldiers. Look at the magnitude of the victory of David. But what did David do? David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but he left over of them horses for 100 chariots. So what did David do? Uh, how many horses are we speaking? For every horseman, there is a horse, right? So we have 1,700 horses. David, uh, the translation here doesn't let it to be clear, um, is not to castrate them, is to perform a type of procedure that is going to incapacitate these horses to be able to run and to participate in wars. And, and I read Mefarshim, very interesting, that when the, why did David do this? Because the Torah tells about the king, you remember? In Parashat Melech, in Parashat Shoftim, when the Torah speaks about the restrictions that Melech Israel has to have, one of them is why? Because he will make us go back to Egypt because in Egypt is where they have horses. Now, which horses it referred to? It referred to horses that a king has on the side, like, um, like reserves, exactly. You, and what does it give you? It gives you it gives you the confidence. I have my horses there. And what is, what is supposed to be the source of confidence of a king of Israel? Hashem. So David, we see, when the Tanakh is telling me these details, it's permanently to tell us about the character of David Amelech. How David Amelech is following the Torah and is following the directions of Hashem. But he lives for himself uh, 100 for his chariots, for that is okay to have the horses, okay? So Aram of Damascus, yes. Why would there be an association with a king having 
huge horses ending up in Egypt. Like, I understand it's a center of horses, but why would that lead us to move ourselves? Like, Business, what, what do we do now today? How is Am Israel moving around? Like you are an entrepreneur, you want to, you realize people come to buy horses here, I'm going to, to be there, I'm going to Negus. It's going to somehow bring us to, <laughs> we're so scary. <laughs> we have to put a, a, a camera here. <laughs> and <laughs> everybody gets scared of us. Okay, so um, where am I? Aram of Damascus came to assist Hadadez, the king of Zoba, and David struck down 22,000 men of Aram. Uh, so again, Aram comes to help them from Damascus, so David is victorious over them. He struck down 22,000 men. This is not 20. You remember at the beginning of David, I mean, we were speaking about 300 men, something like that. We're speaking about the thousands. David appointed authorities in Aram of Damascus, and Aram became servants of David, bearers of tribute. So they have to bring taxes to David. Hashem caused salvation for David. They have to read it in Hebrew. Uh, what is that? Vayosha Hashem et David bechol asher alach. Again, I'm not going to go back to the, to the book, but the beautiful way to study this is whenever Hashem allows us to have a king, Hashem says, Vayosha et Israel miyad shoseem, or oiveem, I don't remember the words exactly, the purpose of the king was Lehoshia et Israel. In Shaul, if you go throughout all the chapters that speak about Shaul, not even once it says that David, Vayosha et Israel. That David wasn't, didn't have that Yeshua in his hands. Here we see now Vayosha Hashem et David. Hashem is uh, saving David bechol asher alach, and what is David that? Vaykach David et shilte hazav asher ayu el abde adad ezer vayabiyem Yerushalayim. They used to have these golden shields. Huh? We are on pasuk Zayin, page two hundred and fifty-two or three, seven. Uh, these were shields, but they were zahav. So what does David do with them? He brings them to Yerushalayim. Umi betach umi berot. So he doesn't only defeat the enemies, he becomes very wealthy with all what he takes from them. So Melechamad, which names is Toi, he finds out that David defeated Chel Hadad Azer. So Toi sends his son Yoram, Toi at Yoram Beno. He sends him to Lishol Le Shalom means to offer peace as well, to make a pact with him. And to send him gifts and bless him. Toi was the enemy of Adad Ezer. Then automatically Toi becomes David's friend. Also, you had so much. Uh, silver and gold and, and um, the copper, so he gives this to David. What does David do with that? Gamotam hikdish hamelech David Hashem. Also, then David consecrated unto Hashem along with the silver and gold of all the nations. From all these nations, David would take from the body and consecrate to Hashem. Would that mean that he 
like puts him like aside for like the base Yeah. Could be. That's what it says. Yes, David was preparing. It's like, it reminds me of my parents trying to make aliyah and accumulating things. Like, you accumulate for whatever the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt. Yes. Vayas David Shem Beshuvo Meakoto et Aram Begei Melach Shemona Asar Elef. David earned renown upon returning from striking down Aram at the Valley of Saul. 18,000 men. So, when he fought against Aram, and he, they killed 18,000 men, he made himself a name. Look in your Mefarshim, let's see if you find it there. What is the name that David makes for himself? I found it so beautiful. I hope it's here because I have it in my, it's Radak. Yes. Here, it's on 13. Let's read it together. Vayas David Shem. David earned renown, the respect, even of his enemies. Why? Because, as recounted in the book of Kings, Melachim uh, Aleph, 11.15, he showed respect for his enemies by arranging for their dead to be buried. So even after he, he defeated the enemies and there were so many casualties, they took care of not leaving them in the streets as our enemies did with us, you know, after Betar, that there were like rivers of blood in the streets from not having a burial place. So that one, one uh, idea, I think it, it, it's kind of difficult to understand. From one side, he's being very, you know, uh, cruel, it looks, looks like cruel, like he kills so many soldiers, but he has respect for their bodies and he, he takes care of their burial. Okay. Again, he is uh, appointing authorities in Edom, and all of them become subjects of David. To become a subject of David, what does it mean? To become part of his kingdom, his army. What does it mean? As well. Taxes. Uh, you have to pay taxes. You are his subject. This is your king. You have to pay subjects. So Hashem, Vayosha Hashem, David Hashem caused salvation for David wherever he went. I didn't, I don't know the answer. I don't know if you don't ask yourself, but I was asking myself. Until now, we found that David would ask Hashem before every war. Here we don't see. We see that he's just boom. I, he's like got a one-time permission and he's continuing and he's enjoying the moment. Not in a bad way I'm saying this. I'm saying that he's kind of having Hashem's... Hashem is having his back. And we see that and the Psukim are telling us because twice we hear by Yosha. Hashem met David bechol Hashem alach. He has Hashem's support. Hashem caused salvation for wherever he went. So now, vayimloch David al kol Israel, vayhi David ose mishpat utzdaka lechol amok. And David reigned over all of Israel. David administered justice and kindness to his entire people. Now we spoke a lot about this. How David 
at the beginning of, uh, of our studies in Shmuel Bet, finally got the recognition of all Israel. And also in the past, whenever he worked for Shaul, we saw that the people loved David. What they used to sing about it? What did they used to sing? Who remembers? Hey, David is able to kill in the hundreds of thousands. And everybody loved him. What the Pasuk is telling us here, David is king of all Israel. Everybody loves him. And at this moment, David is not the general anymore. Who is the general now? Joab is the one that is fighting the wars. What is David doing? Judge. David is taking care of uh, making justice throughout the land. And even in that position, he's loved by everyone. And it says here, Vayhi David oseh mishpat utzdaka lecholamo. What is mishpat and what is tzdaka? Not exactly opposite, but exactly mishpat is you have to go by the letter of the law. This is just. Tzedakah is when you support the one that doesn't have etc. So I, I heard that this, this must be from the, from the Midrash. Rabbi David Menachem was saying that uh, what was Mishpat Tzedakah? Let's say he had a, a trial between a poor person and a rich person. And the verdict was that the rich was right. And the poor had to pay to the rich. Let's say he said he owes me $200. And the poor, yes, you owe him $200. That's justice. What is tzedakah? David would come and give him here, take $200 and pay to him. There's a story about the hoarder. About what? The kind of Robin Hood yeah. behavior. Yeah, like he said, no, you shouldn't have stolen and you have to give it another bag, but everybody here in this room has to pay towards this. Yeah, fair. Beautiful. So now there is the uh, description of who is the staff of David Amelech. We have Yoav ben Tzruya al Atzava, Yoshafad ben Achilud Maskil. What is Maskil? Secretary, but what was his position? A scribe. They used to write all what happened. That's how the history books were written in that time. Like in, with the Hashverosh. Right? So these are the Kohanim. And this was, uh, oh, this is a scribe. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. This is the scribe. So what is the maskir? Oh, um, he would tell the scribe to like, describe the writing and he would actually like... Yes, I don't know. I don't know. It says here the maskir is oh. um, one who reminds with all the king's attention to which case was next in mind to be judged. Uh, like he would be the uh, like officiator of the court. Like it's your turn next. He would be uh, keeping a 
counting of how many people lived in each district, how many were available for military service. It was more the, the one that counted and was, I don't know, and the scribe is the one that writes. So I made a mistake, I apologize. The scribe is the one that writes the history. And now, Uvnayahu ben Yehoyada, Ve'akereti, Ve'apeleti, Uvenedavid, Kohanim Hayu. Benaya, son of Yehoyada, was in charge of the archers and slingers. And David's sons were Kohanim. How could David's sons become Kohanim? David wasn't a Kohen. No, but it says Kohanim here were the ones that were actually Tzadok of Achitub and Achimelech and Abitzar. And then in English here, for David's sons, he called them senior ministers. Okay, read here, Kohanim, senior ministers. Targum and the commentators unanimously agree that this is how the word Kohanim, usually translated as Kohanim or priest, should be translated in this case. David's sons could not have been actual Kohanim because it was from the tribe of Yehuda. The word Kohen refers to one who serves. In its most common usage, it refers to a Kohen who performs the temple service, but it is also, it's also used properly, as in this case, for one who serves the government. They were, uh, you say servidores, once servants, public servants. And in the Talmud, look at how beautiful it is, it seems from the Talmud that they were called by the name Kohanim because they, like the Kohanim, were experts in Torah law. So the Talmud derives from the use of this word that just as the Kohen is honored by being served before others, so is a Torah scholar. So the, the name Kohanim here, Rahamim take the, the interpretation to bring us to see, to say that the same way we respect the Kohen, we have to respect a Torah scholars. And it's beautiful to see that the children of David were Torah scholars or were good. We don't find always that the children are good. Like the children of, of uh, Eli were not good, the children of Shmuel, were not good. The children of the lead, they seem to be following, these children at least. We still didn't, didn't see them. We didn't get to the other ones. Okay, now, I read a small article by Rabbi Yoel Bin Nun. And he, do I have to finish? I have five minutes. Okay, and, and he was saying, how much information is condensed in this chapter? He says, I would like to get more information about who is this, and it was so difficult to, to pronounce his name. Who is this uh, Hadad Ezer? What's his name? And what exactly were the wars? And why David fought against Boy, uh, Amon? And why David fought against this? And why did he kill from this? And why did, like we really get a lot, a lot of information about David's wars and victories. And everything is condensed in one chapter. If you check about David and Bathsheba, that is one action one man, of one mistake, of the king, that perhaps we should write it in one sentence, and perhaps in the little letters, like you know in the newspapers, when you don't want people to realize, but is exposed to us in two chapters of the Tanakh. So by that we realize and we can learn what is the purpose of Tanakh. Tanakh is to teach us, to, to, to help us learn from that. Not to expose their flaws, like, that's not the purpose, but, but through that, through that. I remember reading in Rabbi Sachs about how, like, we're the only group of people that our book doesn't compliment us. Oh, totally. And so, like, the fact that it glosses over this, but it goes into detail about that, it's almost like for us to, I don't know how, first of all, to, to show that it's not written 
environment. Exactly. And also, I think for us, so we learn more from that than from the floor. Totally. So it's very. It's we, we wouldn't realize, right? It should be every victory should have ten chapters. Also, it teaches us that the purpose of it wasn't by the king saying, "Write down how amazing I was, how amazing were my victories, how like, powerful like, I was." It's not about. It's so carefully It's not about him at all. Like, this is part of what Hashem blessed David with victories, and he, he tells us how the, the, I would say, the kingdom of Am Israel, from being nothing and being persecuted by the Plishtim, and they couldn't even live quietly, is becoming strong and strong and strong and stable, and this is preparing for the Memlacha of Shlomo, that is going to be the best of our times. But, but, but very fast, every sentence here is a, is a war of 20,000 of, of people that were killed. But it's beautiful to see what is the purpose of studying Nevi'im. It's for us to learn and get the Musar from it. So that's it. This is one more chapter. One more Pasuk, we can do It's already another chapter. What Pasuk? Yeah, if I see, is there anybody left from Shaul's house, the next Pasuk? Oh, so now David, <laughs> yes. David is, okay, David is going to still show us how he's permanently here. David wants to do chesed because he remembers what Jonathan did with him. We know how much akaratatov, um, how you say akaratatov, being gratitude we can learn from David Amelech. ולבית שאול עבד ושמו ציווה ויקראו לו על דוד ויאמר המלך אליו ואתה ציווה ויאמר עבדך. Bet Shaul had a servant named Tziva. They call him to David, and David asked him, Are you Tziva? He said, Yes, your servant. Is there anybody else in the house of Shaul that I can make a chesed with him? Yes. Tziva tells the king, Od ben Yonatan. Yonatan had a son. Necheraglaim, and he was, I say, and he tells him where he is exactly. David sends to bring him So Mephibosheth, the son of Yonatan, son of Shaul comes to David. So imagine, usually, in history, whenever a new uh, lineage of kings is coming, yeah, what you do, the you kill the others. You're looking to see if somebody is left, perhaps he wants to kill me. So what does David tell Mephibosheth? Don't be afraid. I'm going to do chesed with you. It says, I'm going to give you back the, it says, Shaul Avicha, the entire estate of your father, Shaul, which is your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Mephibosheth prostrated himself and said, what is your servant? Who am I that you should pay attention to a dead, dead dog as, such as myself? So this is beautiful. And, and we always speak about this, how David Amelech had in his table people that he needed to be grateful to them because of the favor that he received from Yonatan, that Yonatan was 
faithful to him. He, he told him about his father and he saved his life because of Yonatan. Okay, you made us study more of the... Yes, I have because I'm like, where's Micha? Oh, <laughs> Oh.